Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. All right, how we doing? That's pretty good, pretty good. I'll give you off because it's summer. I'll give you off it's summer. We are so glad that you're here. We've been in a series called This Is Us, and we've been talking about why we do what we do. And the reason why we do what we do is because that's what Jesus told us to do. That after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven, Jesus told us what to do. He says, if you're a disciple, go make more disciples. If you're a follower of me, you need to go make more followers. So when Bill and Cindy started the Met over 20 years ago, they knew they had to create a church. There were people that weren't already following Jesus would want to come to so they could connect them to God, connect them to one another so they could help them grow in their faith. And that's what this series has been all about, how we do what we do to help you grow in your faith. Because we feel that when you grow in your faith, that you're more apt to do what Jesus has called you to do, that you're more apt to go out and bring in more followers because that's what we've been called. That's the mission of this church and that's the mission that Jesus has given each and every one of us. And today as we conclude this series, we wanna talk about something that we think shows more where your faith is than anything else and that if you can get a grasp of this, it can take your faith to places you've never seen before. Today we're gonna talk about worship. We're gonna talk about how worship matters. Now, I know most of you, when you hear the word worship, you think that's what we just did. You think of music, you think of singing, you think of songs, but you need to understand that music is not the source of worship, okay? I love to sing. I love the songs that we did sing, but it wasn't the music that was the source of my worship. See, the music and the singing was an expression of my worship, See, Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, 1. He says this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, Paul is talking about worship here, and he doesn't mention music. He doesn't mention singing. He doesn't mention songs. He says, this is your true and proper worship. So what is he saying? He's saying, therefore, and remember, every time when you're reading in your Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it therefore? You have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And to know what it's therefore, you gotta kinda look back at what he said. Well, if you go back to chapter 11, you're gonna see that what Paul was talking about, he says, in light of the fact that you haven't lived your life for God, in light of the, the sins that you've committed and that he hasn't made you pay for those sins, he said that he has given you mercy, that he's not making you pay for what you've done. In light of all of that, he says, this is what you need to do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, sacrifice doesn't really sound the same to us as it does to those first century Christians because they knew all about what sacrifice is. They'd all had gone to Jerusalem. They'd gone up onto the Temple Mount. They'd taken their animal. They'd placed it on the altar, and they sacrificed it to God to atone for their sins, to get back right with God. So all of these people are looking at Paul right now and going, what are you talking about? We're supposed to get up on this altar thing and we're supposed to kill ourselves? I mean, what are you talking about? And Paul's like, no, 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 no. I said a living sacrifice. He said, Jesus already died for you. Jesus' blood was already spilled for you. Now you need to be that living sacrifice. But something must die. And what must die is self. 
It's no longer about you. It's no longer about your wants. It's no longer about your way. It's about you living for God. Jesus gave his life for you, and now you should live for God. That is your true and proper worship. See, the word worship we get from an old English word called worth-ship. It's worth. It's talking about value. And what Paul is saying and what true worship is is saying that I place God at the highest value in my life. There is nothing more value in my life. He is first in my life. That's a true and proper worship. God designed it that way. What was the first commandment in, in Exodus 20, 20, verse two? He says that put no other gods before me. And you could be sitting here this morning and say, well, I don't have any other gods before God. I mean, God's the number one God that I have in my life. But what you need to realize is that anything that you put before God is your God. And that's why he's saying, die to self. Die to your wants. Trust me. Put your life in my hands. Surrender to me every day. That is your true and proper worship. And when you can grasp that, your faith will grow to places it's never been before. And that's what we wanna talk about and to do that, I've asked Lainey Butler, she's our worship director here at the church to come out. You know Lainey, she's the one that has the incredible voice, but she also has an incredible heart. And so help me welcome Lainey as we talk about worship. How are we doing? Hey, hey, long time Good. no see. I think, I think a lot of people see you every week, but they don't know a lot about you. So why don't you go ahead and tell a little bit about uh, who you are and your family, the whole bit. Sounds good. I told Rob from the get-go that I was gonna let y'all know I'm not a preacher. Every, everybody else that he's had come up here has actually been a preacher, like they've done this before. <laughs> and so I told him, I said, no, I'm just a singer who likes to talk. <laughs> so this is just gonna be a conversation of me telling you a little bit about my life and what I've walked through. So if we're gonna pretend like we're just sitting in my living room. So if you can just put a big smile on your face the whole time, that would be great. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> um, no, so a little bit about me and my family. I'm married to an incredibly hot uh, guy. Yep, that's him right there. Um, Craig, and we have four beautiful daughters. We're a blended family. So we have Elise, Riley, uh, Brooklyn, and Hallie. They're 11, 12, 14, and 15. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feel free to go, whoa, <laughs> no. Poor and, Craig. Yeah, poor Craig, that's for sure. Y'all be praying for him, and me too, but <laughs> he has to live with five of us, so it's loads of fun. No, they're really good. Um, but uh, Craig is a sergeant detective and has been on the police force for over 20 years. And me, I lead worship here, obviously, and then I'm a vocal coach, so I teach um, other people how to sing. And then I'm obsessed with fashion, so I have a little fashion blog I just started and a little boutique on Facebook, so um, just to, you know, keep myself busy, because four kids and two jobs is not enough. <laughs> we live in Grapevine, uh, grew up in Grapevine, that's where my accent came from, yep, so... That's it. That's, That's us. It. That's it. Well, we're talking about worship, and uh, you've shared your story with me before, but uh, I know a lot of people haven't, and it's really your worship that it has gotten you to where you are now, and uh, I think it's an incredible story, and why don't you talk about how that, that worship got you to where you are? Okay. Be sure and, um, you know, get your tissue ready. I'm a car. 
Um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of kind of my family testimony, how I grew up, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my music testimony, because a lot of you do ask me a lot, why are you not in Nashville? Have you done American Idol? Have you tried out for The Voice? Um, there is a reason for all of that, and there's a purpose and a reason why I'm here, and so I want to share that with you guys. Um, but starting out um, with my family, so I grew up with three dads, six siblings, his, hers, theirs, and ours, what I always say. Don't try to figure it out because my husband doesn't even know who it belongs to. <laughs> but my calling really happened before I was ever born. And so, yes, I'm going to take you back to before I was ever born. So my mom was married when, um, or got married when she was 16, and she was unable to have children. And um, at, in her early 20s, she adopted two boys and, who are now, of course, my brothers, and she was married to him for, I think, about 10, 12 years. They divorced. And my mom has a story of her own. Trust me, I need to write a book for her. So uh, no judgment. She's been through some stuff. So they divorced. And then she married my dad. And my dad was an alcoholic. He was in the Navy and fought in Vietnam. And, of course, came back damaged. And I know a lot of y'all have experienced that same story with either your dad or your grandpas or uncles. And he didn't want children, but his mom was an incredible woman of God, my grandma. And my mom was having some health issues. And so she went to my grandma and said, man, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening. Will you pray for me? Because my mom at this point wasn't necessarily a follower, but she knew my grandma was, so she needed that. And my grandma started to pray for her, and she said, well, I wasn't going to tell you this, but since you came over, the Lord spoke to me, and he told me that you're going to have a daughter, and she's going to serve the Lord all the days of her life and take care of you. And today, my mom has Alzheimer's, so the prophecy is, of course, coming true, and Every time she told that story, she would cry. I probably heard, she told you. I remember her telling you when we first came here, her Alzheimer's wasn't that bad, and now, of course, it is. But um, every time she would tell that story, she would cry. And um, so anyway, she basically said she ran out to the front yard and just collapsed on the ground, and she said, I just cried. I cried because I just knew my faith wasn't strong enough that if God was going to give me a daughter, it was going to have to be on her faith because I didn't know. I didn't believe her. I had tried for 16 years to have a child, and I couldn't. So I just pleaded with God, and I said, God, I'll ride on her faith. Just let me ride on her faith if you will give me this daughter. Well, it's a happy ending because obviously I'm here. <laughs> So, yes, she was pregnant with me, and, um, but my dad, he didn't want kids, so he actually left the day that my mom came home from the hospital um, when I was born, and so they divorced. Then she married who I consider my real dad when I was two, and he had um, two daughters. So, at this point, I had two brothers and three sisters because my dad also had a daughter. And she married him when I was two. And then they were married for about 12 years. My real dad was kind of in and out of my life. Um, and then about when I was 13, 
I maybe saw him a handful of times for about the next 15 years until I got the phone call that he was dying. And he died of alcoholic hepatitis, drank himself to death at 67. And, but I cherish the last couple of months that I got to spend with him because I didn't really have a relationship with him. So I got to spend a little bit of time with him. So she was married to my, my stepdad, who I considered my dad for 12 years, and they divorced when I was 12, and she remarried at, when I was 16 to, who is still my stepdad, Steve. They actually got divorced and then remarried. So at 16, I had three dads, six siblings, and had walked through a family full of drug abuse, alcohol abuse, um, family in and out of jail, teen pregnancy, multiple homes. And from there, I went on to marrying my ex-husband, my now ex-husband, when I was 22. After 10 months of dating, and we were married 14 years, and I was not going to get a divorce because I had watched what my mom had walked through. And I was like, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. Not going to get divorced. It's not going to be me. But after living in an unhealthy marriage for 14 years, I finally had to make a decision to save myself and to walk away. Definitely the hardest time of my life. If you've been through divorce, you get it. The, the ridicule, uh, family, friends, people walked away, judged. A lot of people judged. But I had to trust the Lord. And as I was growing up, my mom, I told you, was a faithful, she became a faithful woman of God and was the strongest woman of God that I knew growing up. And she always instilled to me, you have a plan. You have a purpose. You had a calling before you were ever born. You have a purpose. So during all of my family stuff and as I got older, I had learned how to really trust the Lord and to say, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna trust you. So now I'm married. I already told you to the hot guy. And he is, we are seriously, if you know us or if you're sitting by somebody that knows us, we're super in love. And it's kind of sickening to our friends. (laughs) But God gifted me, honestly, with the most amazing man who is my best friend. And during the time, honestly, when I was losing my mom, she was my best friend. But God brought me somebody that could kind of fill in that spot. We've been together over three and a half years and or married three and a half years and still madly in love. So... Last night I was um, calling him out, so tonight I won't say a whole lot, or tonight, today. Um, so that is kind of my family testimony. Now, my career testimony, I started singing when I was five years old, and my mom put me in singing lessons. And when I, by the time I was nine years old, I was on um, big TV networks. I was singing at big churches, local operas, festivals, pretty much every weekend um, at nine. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was somewhere singing, doing something. And then when I was 13, I started my own band, 
and we had a great opportunity to get to perform at a lot of uh, venues like SeaWorld, Billy Bob's, Cowboys. We got to open for some big stars, and um, so I got to experience a lot of that kind of at, at a young age. Then at 16, I started singing and dancing at Six Flags. I did that for a couple of years, which was a blast, so much fun. Then after that, in, when I was 19, I kind of started doing the Nashville thing. So I was still doing um, festivals and concerts and stuff around here. Man, God opened some incredible doors. I got to um, open for people like Reba McIntyre and um, audience of, audiences of 15 to 80,000 people. So God, you know, put me kind of in, in that place of figuring out what it looked like kind of to be famous. I wasn't famous, but I got to sing for famous people. Um, so I got to experience a little bit of that. And so that was my dream. My dream was to be Reba McIntyre. So at this point, I was going back and forth to Nashville. I was doing uh, demo stuff. I met with pretty much every record label in town. Um, my main claim to fame is I got to work with Barbara Orbison, which is Roy Orbison's widow, and got to stay the night at their house and look through his photo albums and stuff. So that was kind of cool. So God opened doors, and I was in Nashville doing my thing. So I met with some record labels and got a couple of offers. Now, at this point, I had been leading worship places. So, you know, the, my mom had told me, you got to use your gift for the Lord. I don't care if you sing country music or Christian music, but you're going to use your gift to glorify God. So, I mean, I'd be in the club and sing How Great Thou Art. I didn't care. <laughs> I'd tell people, hey, if you don't know Jesus, come see me. And because I knew this is what God had destined for me. I knew I needed to glorify him in, in anything that I did. And so at this point, I had been offered some record deals. But back then, record labels kind of made you into who they wanted you to be. So they told you what to wear, what you were going to sing, um, the kind of performer that you were going to be, the artist uh, that you were going to be. Well, the stuff that they were presenting to me didn't at all align with my faith and my character. And the things they, even as simple as the things they wanted me to wear, take your wedding ring off, do this, do that. These are the songs we want you to, mm, no, that does not align with my example and who I am. So I came home and I was basically extremely confused. God, why have you opened all these doors, but yet they're not the right doors. They're not, you know, there's not an opportunity here that I want to take because I'm not going to be that person. I know that you have a plan for me, and if I'm going to be on a stage with Reba McIntyre, I want to make sure people know I love you and that I'm representing you. And so I came home and basically for a couple of days just cried and talked to my mom, and I was like, I don't know. I want to be famous, but I also love the Lord, and I want to, you know, lead people into God's presence, and he's just not opening any doors. And so basically that weekend, I had decided, okay, I'm going to go to church, the church I grew up in, which is actually the same church that my grandma heard from the Lord that I was going to be born. So it's kind of cool. So I go to church that weekend, it's Calvary Temple in Irving, and they have the service, and at the end, they sing, I surrender all. And of course, you know, people start going down. Well, I lose it, and I start bawling my face off, and I'm like, what is my problem? Why am I crying? And the Lord right then and there, spoke to me, and he said, this is, how, this is how he talks to me. Girl, you need to give me the keys. You need to quit trying to drive that car. I'm telling you, Jesus, take the wheel. That's my song, not Carrie Underwood. <laughs> that was meant for me. And he said, you gotta give me the will. If I wanna take you to Nashville and I wanna give you a record deal, I'm gonna give you the right one. 
if I want you to be in church leading worship, I'm gonna give you a place to do that. You gotta let go. So of course, with much reluctance, I said, okay, okay. So at the time, I was on a worship team and working part-time at uh, Cross Timbers Community Church in Argyle. And three months later, I was offered a full-time position at a church in Euless. So I was like, okay, God, I'll take it. So I go to this church. I was there 10 years, um, a great, great little small church, great pastor. They gave me an opportunity to learn, to um, figure out what it looked like to be a worship leader. Because at that point, I had been an entertainer. And I love to entertain. I love to um, be in shows, but that's not what worship is. And so I, I had a hard time figuring out who am I during worship? Like, what does it look like for me to lead people into worship? Because I'm not gonna get up and entertain people. That's not what God had for me. So I had 10 years of learning. And I laughed as I tell Rob, I'm like, don't ask me about any the theology or anything because this wasn't my plan. <laughs> Remember, I was gonna be Reba, and God <laughs> decided he was gonna put me in church. So anything that I ever talk about the Lord, now I know the Bible, but when I talk about the Lord, it's because of what he's done for me, because of what I've walked through, because of what I've, because of what I've experienced. It's true, it's real, it's raw. So at this point, I left that church after 10 years, and then I started uh, running a show in downtown Grapevine called the Grapevine Opry. I did that for a couple of years. But in the midst of me running that show, I was going through my divorce. I, uh, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And about two years into the show, it failed. So at this point, after my divorce, I had no job and no money. I literally lived on maybe 80 bucks a week for me and my kids. I, well, I was a failure. I had walked through a divorce. I had not become famous. I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't happy with that. <laughs> but I was broken. Um, and I wanted to be back in church. I wanted to be leading worship again because it had been probably four or five years since I had been leading worship. But I was too afraid. I was like, no one's gonna, nobody's gonna accept me at a church. I can't do that. I can't get up and lead worship because look what I just walked through. I'm a failure. Really, I'm gonna get up on stage and lead people into worship? What are they gonna think when they find out what I've been through? I'm gonna be judged. So, at the time, when I was doing my show, it brings me to here. Uh, Boo was my guitar player. He used to be the guitar player here. Now he's on the road with some other blonde named Miranda Lambert. I don't know if you've heard of her. <laughs> and he was my guitar player at the time, and I found out he was playing here. I didn't know anybody else here. I just knew, hey, I have a connection with someone who's playing at a church. So I said, hey, if you ever need someone, I would love to come fill in. I miss being at church, and um, I'd love to come. So about a year later, he texts me and says, hey, I need someone, or we need someone to come sub in this weekend because we don't have some of our leaders here. So I said, okay, I'm there. 
So I came that weekend, sang a couple of songs, and after the service, Rob came up and he said, hey, what are you doing next weekend? And I was like, well, actually, I don't have a show, so hey, I'll come and sing. That'll be fun. So then I came the next weekend, and after the service, Rob came up and said, hey, what are you doing next weekend? So I came the third week, and after the service, Rob came up (laughs) and said, hey, what are you doing? Well, at that point, I was doing a Christmas show, so I said, well, I can't come back because I'm doing a Christmas show, but let's talk in January. So, of course, at this point, he doesn't know what I was walking through. I was single at the time. And so in January, he calls me up and says, well, let's get together. I'm terrified because I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe they like that I can sing, but I don't know what they're going to think when I tell them my story. So I sat in Rob's office and I said, I don't know, but this is what I've walked through. Just came out of a divorce. I'm broken. I'm hurt. But I love Jesus. He said, well, what does that matter if you've been divorced? I'm like, well, doesn't it matter? (laughs) And I told my husband, I said, I don't know. I don't think they're going to hire me because, or he was my my boyfriend at the time. I don't think they're going to hire me because I've walked through a divorce. And he said, well, then that's not the church for you. Okay, sounds good. So I went and met with Rob, and of course Rob was like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. So my time here, I felt like I was going to be judged by you, by pastors, and obviously that hasn't been the case because we're all broken, and this is a church that you can come to with all your stuff and all your failures, and everything that you've walked through, and still be accepted, and still be loved, just like Jesus loved. So, after that, now, I've been here almost four years, which is crazy. (laughs) So, I told Rob in the beginning, I said, don't ask me to pray, don't ask me to talk, I need to heal. I love Jesus, and I'll get up and worship, but I, I need some healing time. So that's why four years later, I'm now talking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It'll take that long. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my uh, music career. That's what brought me here. God is the reason I'm here. God turned my head. He didn't want me in Nashville. He didn't want me on the road. And, and now that I know both sides of what that looks like, I'm 100% happy and at peace and content with being right here on this platform. Amen. Amen. Thank you. What I, first of all, thank you for being so transparent with everybody. I know everybody uh, appreciates that, but if you kind of listen to just the whole story, you're realizing that through everything that you went through, why worship matters is because of the fact of what you put your value in. And I think God kept giving you things that you thought you valued, but in the end, it was always God. And that's where it comes back to living a life of worship is really realizing that, that that's who you value over everything else of what God wants you to do and surrendering your life to God, and it makes a difference. And we wanted to tell you a, a story in the Bible that really talks about that. It talks about worship. It talks about the surrender. It talks about the value. And, and we think the story is so important because of the fact that Jesus gave this story a thumbs up. 
Jesus said, this is what it looks like. And it's found in, in Mark uh, 14, and I'm gonna read it on my iPad here because Lanny's blocking the TV for me, so I can't see this, but you can follow along here on the side screen. It says, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, and that he is Jesus here, it says, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, let me give you a little background of what's going on here in this story. As remember, uh, Mary and Martha, they have brother Lazarus, remember, they called out to Jesus because Lazarus was sick, thought he was dying. They thought if Jesus didn't get there, he wasn't gonna make it, and so they send word to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't come. And what happens? Lazarus dies, and they put him in the tomb, and that's when Jesus shows up. But what does Jesus do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. So this is after that. This is them, they're probably all together, they're celebrating the fact that Lazarus is back with them. And so Lazarus is there, Martha's probably cooking somewhere in the kitchen, and, and Mary's at Jesus' feet. And what she does is she takes this perfume and she pours it on his head. Now this pure nard that we're talking about is imported from India. It's a, it's a painstaking way of, of getting this perfume out. They say today that it would probably value anywhere between thirty and $50,000. This is what she was pouring on his head. But this is where she was putting her value. And that's the thing that we need to see with worship. It's where you put your value. It wasn't in the perfume, but it was in her Savior that was right there, that she was at his feet. And it says that, some of those present were saying indignantly to, to one another, why this waste of perfume? It would have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Now, remember, the other disciples were there, which means Judas was there, okay? And uh, Judas was the treasurer uh, at the time with the disciples, and he cared more about money, and we know that then he cared more about money than Jesus because of what he did to Jesus. And so he's there rebuking her, but Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. She has done a beautiful thing to me. The, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. And he's starting to give a little uh, hint as far as what he's gonna do. But when I, when I hear this part that he's talking about, that the poor you will always have, he's not saying that we aren't supposed to be here to take care of people. But what he's saying is you can take care of people and not worship God. But when you worship God, you will always take care of people because it's a heart issue. And what he was telling them that she had a heart for me. This was the beautiful thing. She has a heart for me and that's why she did this. Those of you that are rebuking her is because you don't have that same heart. And if you have that heart, you will see that she values me and that's what I'm wanting all of you to put your value in me because that's what true worship is. And it says, he says, uh, Jesus says this, he says, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Now remember that this is just before the Passover. This is just before Jesus was gonna go back to Jerusalem, make his triumphal entry. This was before he was going to the cross. And he's saying she did what she could and that's the whole idea. We all bring different things to the table, but we all can surrender what we have. And that's what he's talking about. We all have gone through different things like in your story and we, that all of our stories are different. But the one thing that we can all do the same is offer what we have to Jesus. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, 1, that we need to daily offer our lives to God. And he says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, 
what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And this is where Jesus is talking about the fact that, that the gospel and worship are together. Because what is the gospel? It's you giving your heart to, to Christ because what he did for you, you give your heart to him. What is worship? You giving your heart to Christ every day. It's the same thing, and Jesus is talking about how beautiful this is and then how that can change your life. That when you exchange, when you, when you give the, your heart, when you give your love, when you give your all to Christ, it changes your life. It changed hers, it changed yours, and it can change ours. Amen. Well, we got um, three points out of that story. The first one is expression, and expression is an outward emotion of what's in the heart. And 1 Samuel 16 says, man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. So I love that story because she didn't care. She didn't care what anybody else said. She didn't care. She knew that that was what was in her heart and she was gonna express that to Jesus exactly how she knew to. She brought everything that she had. And that's kind of like us. We get attacked by the world, but we have to be able to stand up and say, I don't care what you say. I'm gonna worship the Lord exactly how he's called me to worship him. I'm gonna give everything to him. So when we worship here on the platform, it is a little bit different. We worship through singing, through praying, through playing instruments, uh, raising our hands. And so we wanted to um, show you an instructional video that would kind of maybe give you some um, things that you can look to as we have our worship time here on the weekend. So you can watch this video. And I know that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know, anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> some of you are trying, you're like, I can't. I want to, to, I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you wanna go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you gotta join right in, okay? Start slow. We got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm gonna walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking. Start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready, carry the TV. Carry the TV, that's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen, big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big, my fish was this big. If you're a liar and go out there, that's fine, don't worry about it. Jesus loves you, Grace. Next one's hold my baby, hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. We got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. <laughs> Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. 
A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. Uh, yes, we don't do any of those. No, we don't, don't, no, there's not. That's sort of safe. We can see ourselves in that. That was Tim Hawkins. He's actually been at our church a, a few times, and, and he's fun. But, you know, we, we laugh about the different expression, but it's kind of what you were talking about. It's, it's from the heart, and it's just what comes out. I always kind of, uh, kind of put it in this uh, vernacular is the fact that, you know, when you watch, you know, the Cowboys or something, how do you cheer them on when they're doing well? Well, do you cheer them more than you cheer God? And that's where it is. We all have different ways we, we, we express ourselves. But the thing is, is about that you should let that expression go because the fact that you are giving to God, and that kind of leads us to our second point here, is it's an exchange. It's an exchange. Worship is an exchange. Remember what happens. Remember, Jesus has just raised Lazarus, okay? So she's thinking of what Jesus has done for her. And so the exchanging this expensive perfume to him was not hard for her at all to do. Somebody else it might be, but she understood that. Well, Jesus goes to the cross. He gave his life for you, so what is the exchange that you're giving back? And that's what Paul was saying, that you give your life. He given, he's given his, you give yours. That's the exchange that what happens. Also realize the exchange that we have. Remember that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was talking to the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, and she was talking about how we go to worship God on the mountain, and you Jews, you go to the temple mount to worship. And Jesus says, yeah, but the time is coming that you will, that true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth, because he is sending the spirit, and the spirit is in you. So worship happens anytime. You've heard Bill say this before. You shouldn't come to church for worship. You should come worshiping. It should just magnify what you're doing because of that exchange, that what happens, that he is giving you his spirit, so you should let that spirit be your expression, that exchange when you're doing that, so you let go of that worship and feel free. When you read the Bible, it's all about exchange. What does God say in Matthew 6, 33? Seek me, seek me first, and then I'll give you everything else. It's an exchange. When you give to God, he gives back. You'll never outgive God, and that's what worship should be, this exchange with him. Which brings us to our last point, which is example. Our exchange is an example. For me, my example is to die to self daily. My example my whole life was not getting what I wanted, but doing what God wanted and trusting him and knowing that when I'm walking through something that I can look at it and go, okay, I'm not happy and I don't like this, but okay, I'm gonna trust you. I don't like the fact that my mom has Alzheimer's, but you know what, God? I'm gonna trust you. I don't like the fact that I've walked through a divorce because it still impacts my life and my kids. But you know what, God? I'm gonna trust you. And that is that exchange for me and the example that I can give to my kids and that I can pass on is that no matter what I'm walking through, I have to believe that God has what's best for me and that I have to trust him now, if you don't have a quiet time, figure that out. Figure out five minutes you can spend with the Lord, whether it be in the mornings and the evenings. I get up in the morning, and I sit on the couch, and I have my quiet time. And sometimes, you know, it's an argument with the Lord. Like, really? Why am I sitting here? What, you know, why, why am I walking through this? Why is this going on? Why is that going on? And then what God wants to do is he wants to replace 
all that frustration. Get it out. Just go ahead and get it out to him. Give him time then to exchange and replace all that frustration, the depression, the anxiety, the grudge, the jealousy, the insecurities. Let him replace that with the fruits of his spirit. Peace, joy. He will give you strength to get through anything that you're walking through. Bill is a living testimony of that. I've sat in Bill's office and talked to him about Cindy because my mom going through stuff. And I know he had to die to self every minute, every minute of every day. God, why? I'm gonna trust you. God, I'm really not happy with you right now. I'm gonna trust you. That's what we're called to do. That's the example that we're called to do. So tonight, tonight, I keep saying tonight. I'm ready to go to bed, I'll be honest. So this morning, we're gonna end with a worship song. And that's gonna give us an opportunity to express, to um, give an example of our worship to the Lord. Now, I'll tell you my example to you and why I stand on this platform every weekend and lead you into the presence of the Lord is because I've been through a lot of stuff. And when I read the words on the screen, I've been through it. I don't have your story, you don't have my story. We all got stuff, we've all walked through stuff. But the fact is, is this is an opportunity during worship for us to have that exchange and for me to come. Basically, I'm preaching to you through a song. That's it. And I'm saying, you know what? Our God is beautiful. Our God is wonderful. Let me tell you, you can be in the valley right now and you can be in the pit, but our God's gonna take you out of it, I promise. He will, because I've been there. I've seen people there. And God always, always shows up. So if y'all would go ahead and stand up with us. So during this time, just allow the Lord to work on you. Let go of whatever it is that you carried in here today, whatever frustrations, whatever anger, maybe it's your marriage, relationships, kids, and just allow God to exchange those feelings, those hurts with some peace and some strength today. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.